0: Welcome if you are new here. It is fantastic to see you. We are starting a new series today which Ben alluded to called Our Family Home, which we have a model of right here. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to outline what this sermon series is about and then we'll read our passage and unpack it together. So in this series, we're going to think about our church being a bit like a family home, our church meaning our community. And this is an image that's alluded to in the New Testament, when Jesus says that his father's house, he's talking about eternity, has many rooms. In 1 Timothy 3, there's a a line about how being a church leader is a bit like being the head of a household. So we're going to extend this metaphor and imagine that our community, St Thomas's, is like this Family house. Now we all have our own different rooms, our different areas of responsibility, but we all gather around one family table, and that is a Sunday. And so we're going to spend the next three or four weeks looking at what the church, what the the, the household culture is in this our family home. This week we're looking at our family home where everyone has a role. And then next week, we're going to look at our family home where we put others first. And then after that, we're going to look at our family home where we teach the gospel. And then finally, where everyone's invited. And one of the big things we'll see is that our family home is designed to have people come and stay and join the family. So that's where we're going. Now, kids, I need your help. So could all... (laughs) There was a big sigh there from one of the kids. Um, (laughs) They're like, I I saw this show last week. (laughs) Okay, can all the kids come up to the front for me? Amara, can you come up to the front? Let's all come up together. Let's give the kids a round of applause. That's it, Judah and Noah and everyone up to the front. They say never work with children. Okay, that's it. You're all the way up, all the way up. That's the one, that's the one. Everyone okay we're nearly there right okay kids i have had to unload all of this as i moved it from nick and mandy's house to here today thank you so much nick and mandy by the way um now can you help me put everything back in here and also design an amazing theme park stroke zoo forward slash bike track forward slash football arena for the garden do you reckon you can do that for me yeah, there's some paper, there's some pens over there. And what I want all the kids to see today is that just in the same way that I called you up here to be part of what's going on here, in the same way God has called each of you individually, in the way that I called each of you by name, Jodah and Judah, uh, Amara and <laughs> Judah and Noah. And in the same way, God has got a job for each of you in his church to tell people about Jesus. And that is what we're going to symbolise today in the way that you all work together to build an amazing house and an amazing garden. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Round of applause for the kids. Sam Stowe has kindly volunteered to carry this over. Um, Sam, can you uh, come up and thank you very much? And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, round of applause for Sam. Could you? Thank you. I didn't trust myself to try and carry it and read the Bible at the same time. Fantastic. Head over with Sam. We're all going to do that over there. Brilliant. If you've got a Bible with you, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians 12 for me. We're going to read from verse 12 through to verse 26. And then we're going to unpack it and learn from it together. So, St. Paul writes, just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all with its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. So that the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fantastic. Right, so we are looking at what it means today to be a church together. Now, Paul, who's writing this letter, is writing to a church in the city of Corinth that has got itself into a bit of a mess. This is a church that Paul has planted, but they've come up against various problems in how their community works. And in this particular part of the letter, he's talking about their meetings. And this is what was going on. Different people in the church had all been given different spiritual gifts. Some were amazing at prophecy. Others were praying for healing. Some people were brilliant teachers. The problem is that rather than all of these gifts being used to build each other up, people were comparing their gifts to others and doing each other down. They were more concerned about whose gifts were better. And so Paul starts by teaching them what is true about the church. He starts with the theological reality of what the church is, and that is the body of Christ. And then he goes on to unpack what this means for two specific groups in the church. The first are those who think that they're not really part of the church because they read their gifts as somehow less important than others, And then the second group are those who think that they are more important than everyone because they've got supposedly special gifts. Now what we're going to do this morning is we're going to ask God to teach us what is true about the church as we think about our family home together. And we're also going to address some of those two groups that Paul addresses in the letter. So if you've got your Bible open, look at verse 12 with me. Paul starts by saying here that the church is the body of Christ. And just as a body has many different parts, so too does the church have many different parts. Now this phrase, the body of Christ, might sound a a little bit odd to us. But what Paul is getting at here is that we all have different roles. We all have different gifts, but they serve one goal, one aim, one purpose. And that is to do everything that Jesus did when he was on earth in his physical, limited presence. God still does that today through the church, his unlimited physical presence. So if you read the Gospels, you'll see what Jesus did. Everywhere he went, he he brought healing. He proclaimed relationship with God. He welcomed in outcasts. He told of the good news of the kingdom of God. And he does the same today through his church in the power of the Spirit. And so Paul is saying, you might all have different roles in that, but you're all one body. You're doing that together. Now you may think, well, I'm an individual. I'm very different to the person sat on my left or on my right. We're all different people. So how does that work? Well, verse 13, Paul says, it happens through baptism by the same Spirit. In other words, we might be, well, we are individuals, but we're all brought together by the same Spirit. And there's been a physical sign of that in our baptism, our initial entrance into the church was by being drenched in the Holy Spirit as we're drenched in the waters of baptism. And our continued engagement in the church is sustained by a continual refreshment of the Holy Spirit, just like we all need fresh, clean water to drink. And that's what Paul's getting at in verse 13. Now, if you ever try to be part of a church, be it St. Thomas's or any other church that you're part of, I know that we've got some guests and visitors with us today, you are so welcome here. If you ever try to be part of a church without the continual sustaining of the Holy Spirit, you will get very thirsty. You will get tired. You will get worn out. It's like running an engine without oil. It's not going to last very long. And that's because the way that it's meant to work is that everything that we do is in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that that Spirit at work within us, directing our steps, guiding our paths, sustaining us on the journey. That's why if you come before a gathering, you will find us praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll pray for specific things that are going on, but the primary thing you'll find is that we're praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The main thing that we do in staff meetings on a Monday morning is we pray that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why lots of Christians around the world start their day with this simple prayer, come Spirit of God and set our hearts on fire with love for you now and forever. Because it's the Spirit that forms the church. And if you feel tired today, if you feel weary today, if you feel thirsty today, I encourage you to pray afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Sustainer of life. Come afresh on me. Now, the reality that the Spirit creates is this that we are all part of the body of Christ. One Spirit, one body. And if you are not a Christian here today, if you're still exploring faith and you're looking at the Christian church thinking, oh my goodness, there's, there's so much going on. How could I ever be involved? Well, the good news is you will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who, who turn to Jesus and trust in, in him, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We haven't got to summon all this strength um, from ourselves. And just as we are given the Spirit, the Spirit uses our gifts and talents and gives us gifts. And because we are different limbs, we have different roles to play. Now, it's so important that we grasp this because often we slip into thinking that ministry is the job of those who are paid to work for church or training as vicars or who have time to volunteer to church. We think that being a pastor or being a missionary is being in ministry and that Christians have other jobs in order to, you know, just support those who are doing ministry. This is, a, this is a lie that's sometimes perpetuated by mistake. Now, don't hear me wrong on this. Giving is important. But if you have a job, God did not give you that job so that you could pay for other people to do ministry. God gave you that job so that you could do ministry in your workplace. Yeah? Now, if you are not employed here, if you are maybe caring for children, maybe you're looking for a job at the moment, the same is true for you. Whatever your context, that is your place of ministry, whether you are a mechanic or a cleaner, whether you're a teacher or a grandparent, or whether you're a full-time carer, you are in full-time ministry. Because what's the qualification for full-time ministry that we see in verse 12? Baptism. That is what means you're in full-time ministry, not a little bit of a letter from a bishop, not a sending off to the other side of the world and certainly not being on a staff team. You are in full-time ministry if you are baptised. So here's the big idea for this week. In our church, in our family home, everyone has a role. If you're baptised, you're in full-time ministry. Now, if you want to think through a little bit what that might be, and what that might look like, I want to encourage you to check out a book called Fruitfulness on the Front Lines by Mark Green. And that's a really good book to explore that a bit more and what that means during the week. Because for the next little while, we're going to particularly think about what it means on Sundays. That's not to say the rest of the week isn't important. It is vitally important. It is six out of seven nuts. Seventh, important. <laughs> Maths was never my strong point. <laughs> um, it's really important. Check out that book. But we're going to particularly think about Sundays, um, Sundays today. So verses fifteen to twenty. And the reason we're doing that is because that's what a lot of what Paul is addressing in this letter. So Paul addresses verses 15 through to 20, something that is still common today. And what was happening in this congregation in Corinth was that they were comparing themselves with each other. And some people were feeling really discouraged because they felt their gifts weren't as important as someone else's. And so to apply the teaching of the previous verse about the body, Paul imagines different limbs sort of talking to themselves, and a foot going, you know, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong in the body. It's a a little bit, it's almost a little bit comedic, actually. And his response is this, look, just because a foot might say that, it wouldn't make it true, yeah? Yeah? Each part of the body is indispensable. And God has knit together the church as a body and given gifts as he sees fit, just as he would knit together a human body in the womb, Psalm 139. Now, church, some things don't change. And one of them is this, that many of us still struggle today with comparing our gifts to others. We think, oh gosh, if only I could pray like Mary Swindells, then there'd be glass all over the place and, <laughs> and I would really feel part of the church. Or if only I could lead worship like Ellie and Josh. If only I could do cameras like Orla and Ellie and Hannah. If only I was as good at preaching as Mim. If only, if only. And we make this long list of ways that we would feel more part of the church if we were more like that. And that means that we think, oh, well, what I do on a Sunday isn't important. I might come early and, you know, help clean up people. I might welcome people on the doors. I might serve tea and coffee. I might have people over to my home. But if only I was doing that particular job, then I would really feel part of the church. And the first thing that Paul wants to say is this. Bluntly, uh, just because you feel like that, it doesn't make it true. Now that might sound a little bit harsh, but the reason that he says it is this, because we need to realise what is true because we will live out that reality. Yeah? If my internal narrative is, I'm not really part of the church because I don't have that gift, then I will cut myself off from community. I will withdraw and cause pain to myself, and I will deprive the church of the gifts that God has given me to bring. You know, the kids are doing an amazing job down there, designing a fantastic garden, putting together all the doll's house. But can you imagine if one of them said, oh, well, because I didn't draw the theme park, I'm not really part of this. Or someone said, oh, well, because I was working on bedroom one rather than the kitchen, I'm not really part of this. We'd No, that's, that's just not true. We're all in this together. And that's what Paul is getting at here. So what's the alternative? Well, that is to firmly plant ourselves in the truth that we are part of the body of Christ. We are chosen, we are equipped by God. And then that frees us up to join the community with a whole new level of freedom and hope and joy. Now that's not to say that we're not called to grow in gifts or grow into other gifts as well. But the foundation of all of that growth is this, that God has placed you in the church. God has made you part of this community. God has given you gifts and talents to bring to the table. You are part of this family and you have a role to play. You might be still working out what it is. You might be not sure how it relates to what other people do. You might be not sure exactly what it would look like on a Sunday, but God has called you into this family. God has given you a role. God has given you gifts. Now, some of us need to hear this today and to lay down some hurts. Sometimes that we've compared ourselves with others or assumed that we have less to offer because we haven't got someone else's gifts. Because the truth, Paul says, is this God has placed you into his church. St. Thomas's is not St. Thomas's unless you are part of St. Thomas's. Whichever church you worship at, that church is not that church unless you are part of it. Because God has called you by name. I also want to say this today if you are just exploring faith, if you're not a Christian here today, and you suddenly found yourself, as I did when I was about 16 or 17, suddenly being interested in church, almost kind of out of nowhere. If you suddenly got interested in faith, you suddenly start checking out some videos and preachers on YouTube, this is not an accident. You are not on the fortunate end of some sort of YouTube algorithm. God is working in you. That is where your interest is stemming from. That's where this sense of call is coming from. This is not from you. It's a gift from God, God is calling you to be part of his church. God is calling you into his family. He knows you by name. He loves you and he's inviting you in. And if you want to find out more about that today, maybe you'd consider yourself on the the edge of church or maybe you're just exploring faith. Come and chat to me or Ben or Ellie or one of the team after. We would love to chat with you. So final section then, verses 21 through to 26. So Paul is back to the theme of comparison again. It's almost like it's an eternal human reality. But this time, it's going the other way. Here, Paul imagines parts of the body saying they don't need others. So Paul is warning people in the congregation in Corinth who are locking down on other people as less important, who think, oh, well, I'm the preacher. I'm the apostle. I'm the one gifted with prophecy. I don't need these other lesser people, lesser different gifts. And Paul's response is this. Those parts of the body that you think are weaker are actually indispensable. You might need no special treatment, but they deserve special honour. And he's applying the truth that we are part of a body, that we need the other limbs. Now, this idea of a body was not new to St. Paul. You'll find it in ancient writings talking about a city-state. And it's justifying why some people were the head and they were better than the feet, the slaves, or the parts of the body which weren't seen. They were lesser. And Paul is flipping it on his head. He's saying, no, that part that you think is weaker is indispensable. Paul's warning here isn't just for people who are up front a lot. However, it is for all of us. He's challenging a self-centred approach to church, where Sunday becomes about us rather than about the wider body of Christ. Now, as always, the uh, the, the word of God hits home, church. Because we might not think, I don't need you. About someone else. But you know, we all have times when we make Sunday about us. We all have times when you know we're having that conversation with a friend, we're catching up with with them, and we've already chatted to them a few days ago, but you know, so much has happened on a Saturday, we need to catch up again. And then we see that new person walk in, and they're stood by themselves, they help themselves to a cookie, help themselves to a drink, and we're still chatting with our friend. And we're still chatting with our friend, and they're still stood over there. What's happened there? we've made it all about us and our friendship groups and our comfort and our enjoyment of a Sunday. Now, as we think about welcoming people into our family home and how we each have a role in that, we need to get this clear. Each part of the body should have equal concern for the other. Verse 25. I should be concerned when I see that that person has been on hoovering three weeks in a row after church. I should be concerned that that family that's new to church hasn't had someone chat to them yet. I should be concerned that that person in my small group was around in Newcastle but didn't come on the weekend away. Why? Because we care for each other. Our worship is about building up the body, not building up ourselves. Now, if you feel convicted today that some of your church experience has started to become a little bit self-focused, I want to encourage you not to feel condemned, but to respond. And how are we going to do that? Well, look back at verses 12 through to 14. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need the gift of the Holy Spirit today to ask us, to lead us, to do something about it, to lead you to the people who need to be welcomed, to lead you to the people who you need and who need you. You are needed, you're part of a body, and you need others. In our family home, everyone has a role. Now, I just want to... um, tell a little story to illustrate this before we wrap up and I'm going to embarrass Helen don't worry I've warned her about this already <laughs> on our second week I think at St Thomas's before we'd even launched loads of students had just arrived and Helen who I think I'd met once maybe came up to me and she knew that I was doing the student work and she said Brogan I've got beef stew in the slow cooker for 12 students and if any more want to come uh, just just invite them and I'll order dominoes for everyone. I said, Helen, that is such a gift. And we got loads of students and they all went round to Helen's and lots of them are still part of the family. and probably some of them here today. You know that you can bet that was the best welcome they could have received into our family home together. Now, Helen didn't have a welcome team badge on that day. She didn't have a student team badge on that day. All of this welcome simply came out of Helen's love for Jesus and commitment to playing her role in welcoming people into the family of God. Now, if you want to put this into practice in the coming weeks, then I've got some really good news for you. In the next two months, we are going to welcome loads and loads and loads of people into St. Thomas's. We all have a role. To play in that. So I want to encourage you to start praying now, to ask God to lead you to welcome people into the family home. In our family, everyone has a role to play. You have been called into God's church. You have been given God's spirit. You are part of the body. And what you have to offer to brothers and sisters is a gift from God. So let's stand together. I'm going to invite Ben up and we're going to respond.